study of the fruit of the Spirit, and we are in love. We started with the first one, love. We want to finish this up tonight and get next week to joy. So, if you would, Galatians 5, and let's look at verse 22 and 23, and then we'll jump right into our, our study. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the, the character that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us and, and um, produce in the life of the believer. This is the um, virtues of the new nature. The, the virtues of that believer. This is the attributes the Holy Spirit wants to produce in the lives of those that, that, that love the Lord that serve the Lord, that godly attributes that characterize the lives of those who belong to God by faith in Christ, who possess the Spirit of God. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in us. And we started out, we've looked at, number one was love. The first one was love. And this is our third week with love. We're going to finish it up. But this kind of love is, is the love of God. This is the agape love. We talked about this. This is not so much a will of the emotion, a will of the affection. It's not so much a family love. It's a will uh, of the heart that chooses to love. It's a willful love. It's a choosing love. Um, again, a love of choice, referring not to an emotional affection or physical attraction, not even to a family bond but the love of the will that leads to self-giving, self-service, self-sacrifice. It loves regardless if the person is deserving of, of love. It chooses to love like God loved us. So again, we're looking at love, treating others like God has treated us. And now, we began and we said, number one, we broke it up into four thoughts. Number one, love is the primary virtue. Love is the primary virtue. And we've covered this, but the Bible says God is love. And Paul writes down in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, the greatest of these is love. It's faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these. Love is the primary virtue. Love is the first form of the fruit. It's primary in the Christian faith. It, is, um, it occupies a place of importance and it shares it with no one else. The supreme virtue of a Christian living is love, is love. Paul just wrote a few verses earlier. He says the whole law is fulfilled in that single word, that single command, you should love your neighbor as yourself. So we started out that number one, love is the primary virtue. You can't walk with God if you're not going to walk in love. You just can't do it because it's the primary, it's the primary virtue. But secondly, it's the priority command because it's commanded. It's commanded. That's why this kind of love is an act of the will. It's not an act of emotions. God commands it so I can do it. Amen? It's a priority command. When a lawyer asked Jesus one time, what's the greatest of the commands? Jesus simply answered that we are to love the Lord our God of all heart, might, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. Love was the priority commandment given to the New Testament church. Again, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you are to love one another. So again, um, love is a commandment. It's not an option. And if we don't love one another, we're actually disobeying the Lord. So we study. We studied, number one, it's a primary virtue. Number two, it's the priority commandment. And tonight we start a fresh love. is the proof of our sonship. It's the mark of salvation. It's one of the marks of salvation. 
It's one of the evidence that you're truly born again. If you would, John 13 and verses 34 and 35. And we see how Jesus says this is a distinguishing mark. And again, you look at all the fruit of the Spirit, and these are characteristics of the Holy Spirit in us. When you're born again, this is what the Holy Spirit um, um, produces. These are the real ways you tell a Christian. We've made it a lot of different things, haven't we? Through the years. Some of you old-timers. Amen? We made it a lot of things. Didn't hear the fruit of the Spirit, but we heard a lot of other things. Isn't that right? Uh, a lot of it you couldn't find in the Word, but bless the heart, they, they fight you on it. But the fruit of the Spirit. This is how you can tell who's born again and who's saved. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. We said this last time. It wasn't so much a new commandment as God gave it to him in the old. But Jesus gave it to him in a new measure. But he says, you're to love as I loved you. He kind of put the bar up there. Amen. Amen. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you willingly, sacrificially. Freely, unconditionally, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Amen? And then he goes on to tell us why it's so important. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another is one of the proofs of our sonship. One of the proofs that we really are born again. And this is a testimony, and this is a witness. Now, go ahead, if you would, First John 3 and 14. Those were the words of Jesus. Now, these are the words of John the Apostle. And John writes, We know that we have passed from death, spiritual death, right? Before we got saved, we were dead in transgressions and sins. We were spiritually dead. But then Christ came in, and we came alive. We're new creatures. We know that we passed from death to life. We love our brothers. One of the signs that I'm truly born again, I love people now. I love my brothers. They might not look like me and even act like me. They they might come from a whole different world than me. But we have Christ in common now. Amen. We're part of the family of God now. And, And then there's a love. Because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. They're still spiritually dead. That's when you're born again. Amen. God is love. And if God's Spirit comes within you, there's the love of God and that should be... That was John. And now, notice what Paul says. Go to Colossians 1, 3, and 4. Notice what Paul, the emphasis he puts as the Holy Spirit leads him. He's beginning this letter. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ and of the love you have for all the saints. And you're going to see this often in Paul's letters. He's excited. He's giving God praise. What he looks for in the church. If he knows the church is healthy. If he knows that church is really going forward in God, Paul rejoices if he sees their faith in Christ and their love for one another. If he doesn't see those things, he knows that there was a stillbirth, that there was a miscarriage, there was something wrong. It didn't take, or there's some major trouble going on. He says, but when I see your faith in Christ... Remember, they turned from idols, faith in Christ. But it's easy to love God. Sometimes it's harder to love someone made in the image of God. Because we heard of your faith in Christ and of your love, of the love you have for all the saints, all the saints. Those that live uptown, those that live downtown. Amen? 
Those that are blessed have a vowel at the end of their name and those that aren't. Amen. Now go ahead and look at Paul's going to say a similar thing. Just want you to see the emphasis. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4. And again, this is the beginning of the letter. But I want you to see where, where, the, where, where the Holy Spirit is excited about. I want you to see what moves the heart of God to applaud. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so. Why are you thanking God? Paul, why are you so excited? You look at this church. What are you looking for? You know, nowadays we look because they play a mean guitar. Well, that's nice if you can or if you can't. We, oh, they got a beautiful orchestra. That's good, that's good. We, we look at a lot of things that God could take it or leave it if we study the Bible. But the things God emphasizes, why don't we emphasize that? We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so. Why? Because your faith is growing more and more. Oh, God. Help us to have a faith that's growing more and more. Amen? It doesn't matter if you just got saved yesterday or you've been saved uh, um, 70 years. Let's pray, God, help our faith to grow consistently and daily. Amen? As we walk with the Lord and we abide in the vine, as Pastor Todd was saying, I want to grow in faith. God wants us to grow in faith. God looks for faith that's growing. But not all. Don't stop there. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Wow. It's not just lip service. The love you have for the brethren is also growing. It's increasing. It's more and more selfless and offering of ourselves and giving of ourselves. Faith and love. God is looking for signs of a healthy church. Faith and love. Signs of a healthy church. You can have gifts and not be a healthy church. I mean, Corinthians fell behind on no gift. Isn't that right? <laughs> one guy sleeping with his mother-in-law and you had another one getting drunk at the Lord's table. So they had some problems. Did they not? But they had gifts. I mean, they had gifts. They probably did Jericho marches at least once a month. They had gifts. Paul said, man, your services do more harm than good. Oh, Lord. <laughs> What's God looking for in my house? What's God looking for in his house? Faith that's growing. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Faith that's growing stronger in our commitment to Christ, but also a love one for another. This one of the greatest signs of faith is love, because faith worketh through love. Love is what energizes faith. Wherever there's a real strong faith, there's a real strong love that you can't separate the two. What's that next verse we got up there? What's the verse? Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance, your faith, your persecutions, your trials. He says we boast about your faith and your love. All right, we've seen what Jesus said. Love is the proof of sonship. It's a distinguishing mark. It's a label. It's evidence. We saw what John said. We wrote with Paul. Let's go to James. James 2 and 8. James 2 and 8. And we see what James talks about. The importance. Love is a proof of sonship. Love is a proof of sonship. God's looking for love in His churches. God's looking for love in His people. And here, James 2 and verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the royal law. Isn't that a neat phrase? The royal law. Amen? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And let me read the footnote here. The law of love is called royal because it is the supreme law that is the source of all the other laws governing human relations. It's a summation 
of all such laws. The royal law of love. So number one, we see here that love is the proof, the evidence of sonship. One of the ways we really know someone's born again, they're, they're loving the brethren. Amen? And they're growing in that love. And, and it doesn't matter. Uh, it's not a selfish thing. It's a giving thing. It's a sincere thing. It's an act of the will. Alright, number one, the primary virtue is love. Number two, the priority command is love. Number three, love is a proof of our sonship. Love is the proof of a healthy church. It's what God, when God, you know, I had a friend of mine that, um, he's with the Lord now, but he was a doctor. We worked together in the military and he was, he was a Nazarene, good Nazarene brother. And, um, and we worked in the ER a lot together and people get blood work in and we would talk about the things of God when things were slow. He'd call me back and we'd talk about the Lord. And he said one time, he says, you know, when I get that sheet back from the lab, the first thing I do is I give it a quick glance and I'm looking for hyper or hypo, something out of whack this way or out of whack that way. I'm, I just glance real quick to see if something is just not where it should be, you know, instead of looking at every single thing. And when God takes the blood of the church, when God examines his church, I know we, we, we want to know a lot of other things. Amen. We, we, we want to know how quick was the service. So I could get out and watch a three-hour ball game. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's the consecration in the present hour. We, we like to know something. You know, isn't that right? We, did, did they really cut it up singing? Because, you know, I really got to get my jig on. You, you know what I mean? I really got to. You know, we, we look for a lot of things when we look at church. But when God begins to measure and examine his church, you better believe he's looking for those two things. How is their faith in my son? And how is their love one for another? And is it genuine, sincere, and is it increasing, and is it growing? Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. When he weighs us, I don't want to be found wanting. Anybody? When he, when he weighs us. Isn't that right? You know how it is. You got, that, you got that appointment once a year to that doctor. Isn't that true? You start cutting back on the sugar. You're going to take my blood. I want to, you know, you start fasting that sugar. You start cutting down five, six pounds. You're going to put me on that scale. I don't want to. I got the doctor. Well, Dr. Jesus walks by every now and again. And he measures and he weighs and he looks for certain things. Let us not be found wanting, but let's recognize what he's looking for. Okay, number four, number four, and this is our last thought under, under love. This love is a product of God's Spirit in our will. It's a combination and a cooperation. Now this is important as we study all the fruit of the Spirit. It's important that we understand we can. And then we choose to do so. What do you mean? Understand that that I can walk in love. That that I can abide in peace. That I can have joy. That I can be patient and kind. That I can walk in faithfulness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. It's understanding I can and then choosing to do so. If I'm born again, that's all in me. And it's up to me if I'm going to release it and activate it. It's my will that has a whole lot to do with activating what God has put. If I'm born again, it's there. Am I I right? Now, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. It's there. But we have a lot to do if we walk in it, if we release it, and if we activate it. That's important. For all these virtues, our testimony ought to be, as Paul said, I can do all things. through Christ. I I can be patient even though hell's putting pressure on me. I can 
walking self-controlled even though they're baiting me and they're prodding me and they want to see me. I don't have to give in to that old nature. I've got the Spirit of God in me. And the fruit of the expression, the characteristics of this new birth are the things we just read. You can walk in every one of these. You can enjoy every one of these. You can be gentle. You don't have to be rough and gruff and combative. You can be faithful. You don't have to change your word every other day. You can develop a faithfulness in your life by the Spirit of God as we walk and work with God. Talking about the love of God. This love is a product of God's Spirit and our will. Number one, we know we can walk in it. I want you to believe you can walk in the love of God. If Jesus is in you, you can walk in the love of God. The source of genuine love. God provides that love. But secondly, we have to remember, we've said this a couple weeks ago, fruit is something that's cultivated. You don't mass produce it on an assembly line. Wouldn't that be nice? Who needs patience? Run down here and we're going to bop you on the head. I mean, I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't that be? I love that. That'd be nice. But that's not how it works, does it? I gotta produce it. It's gotta be cultivated. I don't know. I'm not. I, I never had a garden in my life. I had a parsonage one time, and and God bless dear sister Klein Stuber. She went to the Lord now, but she had the most beautiful tulips and all them flowers. And I don't know how those things work, but I, I mean, I just I hate to say it. I kind of mowed them down one year, and you know, I kind of must not have been looking when I was driving. I, I mowed them down. But you know what? Those things come back the next year. They're beautiful. And after a while, I started to realize they keep coming back up yellow and, and red and these beautiful tulips. And then after a while, people begin to see me and tell, oh, Pastor Zeno, you got the most beautiful flower. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once I've... I found out if you're going to grow something, you don't produce it. It gets cultivated. You've got to water it. Isn't that right? You've you, you got to weed it. You've got to get rid of the things that are a danger and a hindrance to the health of that thing. And that real, I don't care if it's a tree, I don't care if it's your rose bush, I don't care. You have to get rid of the things that are a hindrance and a danger to the health of it. You gotta weed out certain things, get out the clutter. I'm telling you, I can see it. Dusty box. You know, you never really close it. It's kind of stuff in there, junk. It needs to be. We weed it out, we fertilize it. We feed the Word. In spiritual things, we have to exercise. We have to do some pruning. Prune away the things that hinder the life from flowing in that area. And exercise. So you want to, if you want to develop patience, then God, in His grace and mercy, is going to put you in a position where you've got to use some patience. Don't whine about it. See it as an opportunity to grow and to develop it. God is good. He'll typically take you step by step. He knows you can't get on their bench press 300 pounds the first time. He's going to take you, right? He's going to take you little by little. But if we don't recognize God is allowing things to develop me, we wind up just pretty much ignoring, cursing, and complaining about the very instrument God brought into our lives to bless us and help us. Right? And so you take any of these various things, the gentleness, He's going to give you an opportunity to be a bull in the china shop and the spirits to be gentle. Don't shoot first and ask questions later. 
Amen. Put away that double barrel. It's just a mosquito. Amen. But, but I, I, I killed the mosquito. Yeah, you killed the wall too, man. And everyone, come on. But, but we have to realize fruit is something that's cultivated. The love of God in you and I is born out of the new birth. Let's recognize that. If you would, why don't you go to 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. It's a product of God's seed. When you got born again, the seed of God came in you and there was a new birth. There's a new birth. Amen? And so let's look at this together. This love is born out of the new birth. Peter writes, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. One of the ways we sanctify or purify ourselves is what? By obeying the truth. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't say just pray about it. He said start obeying it and start acting on it. And as you obey the truth, you bring a cleansing and a purification to yourself. But now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. We'll just hold it. Hold it at 22 for a second there. Notice he's going to bring us two different words for love in this one scripture. We've been focusing on the word agape, the God love. Amen. But here you see how Peter started out with Philadelphia, phileo, brotherly love. It's that brotherly love. Now as believers, we have brotherly love. This brotherly love means we have the same father. We're saved. Amen. We got the same Father. Isn't that wonderful? Same seed. Same seed. Same seed. Same Father. Same seed. Amen. And we have a lot in common now. We rejoice and celebrate and share a lot of wonderful things together because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. So there's a brotherly love. There's a fondness. We have something that we don't have with the unbelievers. Amen. We share something. We sing about things. We shout about things. We understand things. We partake of things because we're saved. I mean, you might not have ever known the person. But once you, you know they're born again, you know you share eternal life with them. Amen. The same blood was shed on you. The same spirit. All right. So, so you have sincere love for your brothers. And we all love one another. Peter's saying we ought to be excited about the family of God. We ought to be able to rejoice and testify together. Amen. And share testimony and pray one for another. Because we've got a whole lot in common. But then he says, but don't stop there. Now I'll take it one more step. But the next word, love one another deeply. We're still on 22. Love one another deeply. Go from Philadelphia love, brotherly love, go back to agape, the God type of love. And let's notice this for a second. Peter uses two different words for love here. Philadelphia, brotherly love, and agape. That God-like sacrificial, that love of choice that we've been talking about. And both are very important in our Christian walk. Brotherly love. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we share many, many things. We celebrate many things in common because we're, we're sons and daughters of God. And we should treat each other as such. Amen? But agape, because now, because we also belong to God, we can now even go beyond just the fondness we have of what we have in common and what we enjoy together. And we can go one more step and, and we can um, overlook offenses. And we can overlook differences. We can put up or bear with, we read that last week, didn't we? One another and forgive and choose to do it. Where Philadelphia love is, we're, we're, we're from the same father, we're brothers. 
and we have the same family and we enjoy the same things and we have the same heritage and we've got a, the same will and testament and all that. We call that in common. But now there's another love, that agape love. This helps us to go even deeper. Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply from the heart with sincerity, with a deepness, uh, deeply with fervency. That's an athletic word, with some energy. God says with the agape love, with the choice to love, now we can take our love to a deeper, sturdier place. Because again, this kind of love, the agape love, is not a matter of feeling, but of willing. That we should love and treat others like God has treated us. God forgave us, we should forgive. Because remember, it's not about feeling, it's about willing. I might not feel like forgiving you, but I will to forgive you. That's where agape love comes in. It takes it to that level of God. God is kind to us, we should be kind to one another. God is patient with us, we should be patient with one another. And it's not the feeling, it's the willing. So again, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere, pure love for your brothers, there should be a brotherly love that we have because we're lifting up the same Savior. We've been washed with the same blood. We're going to the same heaven. Amen. We are part of the family of God. We enjoy and we celebrate and we share. We have many, many glorious, eternal things in common. Well, we're family. We're family. We're family. We're family. But one more step. Love one another. Now agape one another deeply from the heart. And even when the feeling and the fondness of being a brother is gone, choose to love anyhow. When they aren't nice, choose to love them. When they're not perfect, choose to love them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's our next verse say? And when they say, well, Paul, that's getting, uh, Peter, Peter, that's getting a little tough. He says, well, hang on, hang on. Have you forgotten? You have been born again. You've got the Spirit of God in you. So you can walk this out. You see, those, those, um, um, those Bible writers, they often, when they challenge them, they'd often then remind them of Christ or remind them of the spirit they have within them. Well, when Paul would remind them of loving and serving one another, he'd say, remember what Jesus did. Remember how Jesus came down. Remember how Jesus humbled himself and served. And here Peter's saying, remember, you know, you've been born again, haven't you? And it's not of a perishable seed, but of the imperishable through the living and enduring word. Of God. You've been born again. So you can love sincerely. You can, you can love fervently. You can love even when you don't feel like loving. You can choose to love just like God chose to love us when we weren't worthy of that love. But while we were still sinners, God loved us and sent His Son to die for us. Romans 5 and 5. Romans 5 and 5. Let's notice this next one again. Um, Love is born out of the new birth. Because you've been born again, you can walk in love. Because you've been born again, God calls you. Go beyond just the Philadelphia love, which is a lot easier, amen? And go the next step in love with your will. Love like God. Make a choice to look and to overlook, amen? Romans 5 and 5. And again, we're talking about that this love comes from God. Hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out 
His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Uh, so we look at this again. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts. Where's the love of God? It's in our hearts. Would God lie to us? Did we just read that God has poured out lavishly, abundantly His love in our hearts? So if you're saved, you have God's love where? You got it. It's up to us if we're going to use it. Now we have it. The potential's there. Will I activate? Will I cooperate? And actually use it and choose to exercise it. The first thing I've got to do, I've got to believe that I have what I have. And then I've got to choose to use what i got. So that's why we study the Word of God. This is one thing. I'm saved and going to heaven. That's good. Find out more. It's a great salvation. It's an awesome salvation. Find out all the riches and truths of this salvation. So you know what you have. Because once you really know what you have and believe you got it, then you can walk out in it. And so many, you know, they get saved, but they never study their Bibles. They don't go to churches that preach the Bible. And, and you wonder, after all those years, why they're so, they're, they're, there's a level of ignorance scripturally in their lives. And, you know, they're, they're nice people. They mean well. But it's like anything else. If you're not taught something, you can be sincere. You can be nice. But if you're uneducated in it, you don't have understanding of it. You don't have illumination of it. You can't participate. You can't practice it. We study the Word, and we want to understand. When we see something that tells us this belongs to us, because we're sons and daughters of God, I want to rejoice that I got it. But then I want to make up my mind to use it and walk in it, to possess it, to partake of it. Amen? I mean, why, why, why toss and turn all night long? When you got a God who says, I give you peace, the past is all understanding. He said it. Didn't he say that? This God can't lie. And so if he's promised me that, why should I be putting up with many times the Spirit of God? You know people walk with God. You know what I'm talking about. Holy Ghost stops us sometimes. So what are you doing? You know better than that. That scripture come to your mind. You say, sorry, Lord. I did, it was about six, maybe a couple of years ago now. Something was causing me to stew. You ever stew? Sometimes I stew. I mean, I stew. Sometimes it's processing it, other times it's just stewing over it, amen? And I'm stewing. And I got, must have been stewing too long, and the Lord said, I got enough of this. And sometimes God says, I got enough of this, amen? Isn't that right? You ever, you ever see that your kids, when they were younger, and they had a little hissy fit? Yeah, I got enough of this. Sometimes the father's got enough of this. He says, no, no, you're not a baby anymore. You're not a baby anymore. You've got to grow up. I'm expecting more. And so I'm at a stoplight or something. And the Holy Spirit just simply said, you know, God's just got to ask a quick question. Amen? He's got your attention. He's got you at the altar. He's got to forget it. All right? He says, when are you going to cast that on me? That's simple. When are you going to cast that on me? I had to have that thing memorized from what grade school we met. You know, went to Sunday school. We memorized these things, what, third, fourth, fifth grade? We, First Peter, cast all your cares on him. He careth for you. We sang it. We memorized it. And we knew it as seven, eight-year-old kids if you grew up in church. And all through my life, it's one of the scriptures I use often. I give the Lord those cares, right? Because you get cares in this world. If you don't get cares, you're you numb from the neck up. I mean, you, there's cares in this world. We've got to bring them to God. And, and, and the Lord. The Lord. How long are you, when are you going to cast that on me? I said, Lord, forgive me. 
I've been, I've been stewing over this thing. I've been kind of, you know, I'm, I'm older now. I don't get too grumbly with other people. When I was younger, you know, you get grumbly with other people because you're not happy with something in your own heart. Amen? I mean, I'm growing up a little bit. But the Lord, that quick. When are you going to cast that on me? I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I know better than this. I've known that scripture since I was a child. I give this care to you. I thank you, Lord. You're going to work that out for your good. You're going to take, I give this to you right now, right in the car. Lord, I just give it to you. I mentioned whatever the thing was. I, gave, I said, thank you, Lord. It's yours now. And I'm just, I drive on. And I drive on. So it's important as we study the Bible to find out what we have in Jesus Christ. This is a great salvation. He's called it abundant life. Amen? But if I don't know what I have, I won't use what I got. Isn't that true? And here we see that I have the love of God. Amen? You know, we might have grew up being tough guys. Where that wasn't a real good thing. Love, you know. You know right? We, we, we had other characteristics we were trying to develop for respect and so forth. Amen? And then you get saved. And you're, well, <laughs> that's just not me. Hang on. Are you saved? Then it's you. You keep you, you thinking of the wrong you. You see, you keep reverting back to the old you. You're not the old you. You're the new you. You're the born again you. You're the new creature you. Amen? And that creature, he's got love. All the love you need. This it says, listen, God has poured out, and that word pour out little, lavishly, abundant. God said, I don't, not a little dab will do you. God pours it out good. Amen. This is a good measure. God says, I poured out my love in your heart by my spirit. You got my spirit, don't you? You got the Holy Ghost, don't you? By the Spirit, God said, I poured out my love. You got the love of God. I got the love of God. I got to choose to walk in the love of God. Hallelujah. One more, one more. 1 John 4, and go to verse 7 and 8. Because our thought is very simply this. This love is born out of the new birth. We can walk in this love. We have this love, but it's up to us to choose to walk in it, to exercise it, to use it. John says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God, because God is love. God is love. And if you're born of God, you've got God's seed in you. Love's got to be in here. Amen? Now, I've got to fight that old nature. But this new nature has love. And if I'll choose to exercise that love, I can walk in love. Just like God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just close it down. Let me close it down with these thoughts. I'll just give you the summary. Number one, we're talking about the love of God. It's a product of the new birth. If you're saved and born again, you have the love of God in you. And this love, this love really um, thrives in a vessel that's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he said in Romans 5, right? When the Holy Spirit poured out. And you know what? The more I get fi- stay filled with the Spirit, I've got a greater measure of that love operating, don't I? When I stay filled with the Spirit, I've got a greater measure of that love that I can be released. Love of this kind centers in the will, not in the emotion, and not in the physical. It's a cooperation with our will. And lastly, this kind of love is expressed in the way Jesus expressed it for us. 
Now, we didn't get to these scriptures, but Jesus said, love as I've loved you and laid down my life. And we express this love, not just in verbiage, but in action and deed. Amen? We express this love by giving of ourselves and by sacrificing for others. And though chances are none of us will have to be a martyr for the brethren, we give of ourselves, we give of our time, we give of our effort, we give of our talents to serve one another, to befriend one another, to help one another. And so let's remember that this love is not merely just a, a word, a hallmark card. It's an expression, it's an action, it's a doing. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you for love. We thank you that because of the great salvation we have in Jesus, the new birth, now we're new creatures by your Spirit. We have your love and we can walk in it and we can exercise it. And we can... Father, we thank you that every one of the fruit of the spirits that we're studying... They don't have to be foreign to us. But we can walk in them and mature in them and we can exercise them by your Holy Spirit and by the activation of our will and our obedience. We can walk like Jesus walked. And we thank you for that. Now bless these dear ones. Give them a great week. Give them your peace. Give them your joy. And use them, Lord. Make there be many divine appointments and use them in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. See you on Sunday.